welcome to the podcast of tomorrow a futurama podcast where today it's basically a crossover of Lindsay and alex need a podcast season three episode seven the day the earth stood stupid i am Lindsay wilson joined as always by alex coons alex how's it going hello i'm good i uh, imagine i was talking with laura about this i don't know what percentage of our listeners are rob has a podcast people versus yes. like futurama uh like natural futurama listeners i would guess Probably it's like low, 80%. Right? I think it's 80% Rob as a podcast and like oh. 20% Futurama. I was looking Maybe. at Apple podcasts and all of the recommended like people listen to this also listen to this. It's all RHAP stuff except for like one or two other Futurama shows. So I would guess it's like 80-20. But for that 20%, the people that don't know what Rob as a podcast is and what we're talking about, there's a <laughs> another podcast that highlights Season, season three, episode, three episode, seven. episode seven of different shows. And so this is our uh, very special season three, episode seven. How do you think that that episode would go? Do you think that this would be a good one to as just like a general swath of Futurama? Is this representative? I'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> this one, like, I don't know. I think I have it in my mind as being better than it is. I'm not. Uh, yeah. And I think it, like I remember writing into Akiva one time and being like, you should do the Simpsons season three, episode seven. And it's a trios of horror. And he was like, mm, doesn't seem like a good option. Yeah. And then this one is like also kind of a wacky concept episode. So I don't know. This one definitely is like more lore heavy. It's getting mm-hmm. gets into the nibbler and all of his stuff. Uh, but I, I actually like this one quite a lot. Uh, it's like a little bit messy with the book stuff towards the end. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense or tie <laughs> to anything at all. <laughs> But yeah, it's really fun. Like I, my complaint is that it's it is weird that it starts happening, but it is funny and fun. But I don't know. It, it kind of feels monster of the week, planet of the week, like some other episodes. So, yes, I, I would tend to agree. As we were hopping on this call, I had a brief moment of panic where I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't watch the episode." But I did. <laughs> I did. We're fine. Everyone remained yeah. calm. We have been very. Is it laissez faire, laissez faire? How do you say it? Yes. Well, I. I'm from a partially French-speaking French country, yeah. so we say laissez-faire. Laissez-faire. We have been very that about our scheduling, <laughs> where we're just like, oh, we'll figure it out whenever, which has uh, resulted in me like almost forgetting to watch the episode multiple times. Indeed. On a related note, how do you pronounce the word <laughs> F-O-Y-E-R? I don't know. I know it's, it is both foyer and foyer. Um, uh, I, there's nothing that upsets me more than when people say foyer and I know it's like uh, insufferable to be one of those people who's like, why are you like, pronouncing actually a word it's this foyer. way? Yeah. Foyer. I think I'm so infrequently talking about foyers that it like has not come <laughs> up and does not matter. Yeah. Fair, fair. Kirsten sent me a TikTok yesterday that had someone being like, I hate when Americans mispronounce the word toque, like the little hat. And I was like, oh, it didn't sure. even occur to me that someone would mispronounce it, but I guess probably people would say like talk or something. Hook. Is it, how do you spell okay. it? T-O-O-K? Or T-O-Q-U-E. Okay. Took. Yeah, I think I would. I mean, I know to spell it took. I don't know how to, or I know, I know to pronounce it took. I don't know how to spell it apparently, but yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah, talk, I guess. Yeah, yeah, something, something. Yeah. Anyway, how was your week? We were just discussing your grade eight trip to Tijuana. <laughs> I was telling Lindsay about in the pre-show banter called the to steal a, a joke from said podcast, the $150 patrons have access <laughs> to this to this call. I was telling Lindsay about how on my eighth grade trip to uh, New Mexico, not Mexico, 
I exclusively listened to the Jerry Seinfeld stand-up album. <laughs> I forget what it's called. I think it's I'm Telling You for the Last Time. I think it's like his special where he was like, oh, I'm retiring all this material. Mm-hmm. But so I was just like a very bizarre little child, like listening to Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> stand-up uh, and everyone else is being cool and popular. I said, I like to imagine you then like trying to pass it off as your own material <laughs> being like, look how precocious and funny I am. Yeah. 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 Um, I probably did do that to some extent, but thankfully I don't have <laughs> memories of that. Yes. On my grade eight trip, we went to Quebec City. I listened to the greatest hits of Queen on a Discman for basically the whole trip. (laughs) Yeah. And did you try to pass that on to other kids? Were you like, hey, I love Queen? I I had one other friend who was also extremely into Queen. So we Mm -hmm. bonded. (laughs) My week was good. Uh, I think I told you that I won the Hamilton lottery um, last week. Yes. And we talked about Hamilton. You have not seen it which you really need i mean it is just we so we went to hamilton last night and it's just like the most incredible thing totally Uh, holds up (laughs) yeah totally holds i mean i know people are like kind of over the show but just in terms of like being one amazing themes like hamilton does the thing in musicals that i love of just being like leitmotif heavy of like mm-hmm. every character has a theme all of those themes are interweaved together all of them come back and are reintroduced in different contexts and it's like it's that and like mm-hmm. both do that really well and i really love that and that's why i love like all of J- john williams does this so well of like you know you hear different themes in star wars and you know every character that it's associated with and that's the, the kind of music that i love and so hamilton does it. hamilton is like so amazing at doing that and so i'm just you love music yeah, that tells a story i didn't realize that extended to musical theater but it makes perfect sense yeah well that i that's that's where the thesis of the i need narrative driven music yes. to to be about because <laughs> it's yeah i love all of these yeah musical theater shows that have like really rich thematic songs like linked to a character or a motif Mm-hmm. Did you see Come From Away? I did. I didn't love it that much. What? <laughs> Canadian <laughs> treasure. <laughs> it was fine, but they like didn't do that enough, right? It was just like a bunch of like fun Maybe, songs. Yeah, Newfoundlander. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, from your perspective, do they do the the motif thing? Do they loop it back in on itself? And, I think you know, so. Like, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I've seen it twice. Loved it. I mean, I probably am not giving it a fair shot, but... Uh... You know, to me, it was just like, oh, yeah, these are like a bunch of catchy tunes. Mm, how dare you? Maybe it's your lack yeah. of Canadian pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was also a little bit, we find a lot, this is like a super elitist thing to say, but we find a lot of these like musicals tend to cater to the tourist crowd where mm. there's some jokes that are just like a little bit like lowbrow. <laughs> yeah. And like Hamilton really doesn't have any of that. And we loved Hades Town, which is also like an obnoxiously highbrow show. And like, you know, that doesn't have a single moment where it's like, oh, we're like making a kind of like off color homophobic joke right now. Like, right. Yeah. yeah fair. Fancy New Yorkers. Yeah, exactly. This is like insufferable. I'm so sorry to everyone <laughs> that is listening to this. But uh, between yeah, the foyer gotta... and the elitist <laughs> yeah. takes on musical theater, I think we're losing everyone in this moment. So maybe we should talk about some lowbrow adult yeah. animation. <laughs> yeah. How was how was your week, Lindsay? What were you up to? It was fine. I spent the entire week just like not working on my thesis. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think my supervisor listens to this podcast? Probably not. I was. I mean, uh, I don't want to out the current time that we are recording this, <laughs> but I was also thinking of, re- of a reference to to that and hoping that my that my work is not listening. <laughs> what do you mean? It is 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Oh, Lord. Yes, this episode, I guess we already touched on it a little bit. You liked it. It's one that I feel like has some good lines in it. It builds on the lore quite a bit. Any big takeaways before we dive into the rundown? I love the lore. I think I've said this a million times on this podcast, but like one of the things that sticks out to me when I think about Futurama from my first viewing, you know, 10 years ago, the things that stick out are the emotional episodes being the dog episode, the Fry's brother episode. And then coming up soon. Yeah, I was thinking that we are probably approaching that kind of like turn in the series where they're like, oh, we're actually going to start doing like very Mm -hmm. emotional episodes. Anyways, I think of those two things. And I would also think of the Nibbler lore of like the time travel of he was the one to push Fry in the thing. And just like the, the lore that grows around, I guess, that night in particular. And then also Nibbler. And I guess this is like our first kind of introduction to to the greater Nibbler lore. Yeah, exactly. I I kind of forgot when we were going to find out about Nibbler, how long we were just going to like have him be a cute pet. This is pretty far into the show. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, we can talk about the Maggie comparisons. I think it's Mm. very Maggie similar of like early Simpsons. It's probably not doing a whole lot with Maggie. She is like literally just a baby. But then as you get like a little bit further into it, they start like reaching for more things to do with characters. And all of a sudden Maggie is like super smart and yes, uh, has her whole like odyssey stuff. on her own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the opening caption on this episode was 80% entertainment by volume, which feels like quite a high ratio. Yeah, that's pretty high. Do you think 80% of this episode hit? No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm above. I think I'm 80 or above. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it's one of the ones I've probably seen it too many times. Maybe like a 70, okay. like a seven out of 10. I think it's fine. OK, yeah. And then the opening cartoon is just like a giant splash in a pool. Did you have anything else noted? I said guy jumping in a pool and then this is a very unhinged tangent. I wrote guy jumping in pool, comma, water displacement. And then I w- was thinking, <laughs> oh, I should probably talk about how in the new Indiana Jones movie, they solve a puzzle by Indi- old man Indiana Jones goes water displacement. And they have to like get in a pool <laughs> to, to make water go elsewhere. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the new Indiana Jones yeah. and its love of physics. Yeah. Oh, Yeah, apparently Comedies loved water displacement. And so that was like one of his puzzles. Wow, who knew? Shout out to Archimedes. This cartoon is one we are very familiar with, Alex. It is art for art's sake. Okay, yes. Subtitle of our podcast. Subtitle of our podcast. We just had this two weeks ago in the Amazon (laughs) Women in the Mood episode. Okay. What do you recall what what that cartoon was in that episode? Uh, I have it in my... I looked this up. <laughs> My history, that's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, this was the Little King. It's this penultimate Little King appearance. Okay. Penultimate cartoon from Van Buren. So shout out to the Van Buren boys. Yeah. Yeah. So if it so it was Amazonian Women in the Mood, that was the other art for art's sake. I believe so, yes. My, my note on that was skeletons chasing after someone. So we got that's skeletons, right. we got a pool. Yeah. Yeah, Got there's a lot going on it. here. So it tends to be quite mm-hmm. variable across the board. The king takes a break from his kingly duties, which seem to entail holding a string and skating behind his royal limo and heads to an unnamed art museum. There, he seems determined to tease a large woman throughout the rest of the cartoon. Later, back at the palace, he reveals to her a portrait of himself that terrorizes her by chasing her through the palace, even into the basement where a growing, shrinking skeleton scares her even further. 
one of the interesting things about this is the little king's more aggressive personality rude sorry what were you saying (laughs) where do you think the pool comes into this narrative it's unclear i don't see anything about a pool (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pool. i'll do control f yeah no nothing nothing (laughs) about water displacement (laughs) or indiana yeah (laughs) that movie was kind of boring Yes, you seem lower on that movie than other people, Rob and Josh specifically. But yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I also saw Mission Impossible. Uh, are you a Mission Impossible girl? Not at all. <laughs> oh my god the the previous Mission Impossible is like one of the best movies ever. This is like yes. another immediate Alex Coons recommendation. Of, oh man, uh, I don't know, man. Are you? Uh, do you like any action movie ever? They're fine. I've seen a lot of James Bond movies. I feel like the older I get, I'm increasingly like, okay, this is just like junk food. (laughs) Yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout. So that is the one that came out a couple of years ago. Incredible movie. There's like, the thing that happens in all these movies is that Tom Cruise runs like a maniac. I've seen the first one, I think. Yeah, they do such a good job in that movie of making him running like a hype moment of like, oh my God, he's about to do it. And then he does he's it. He's doing the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that movie is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And then wow. I saw the new one and it was like a massive dis- disappointment. Or it wasn't a massive disappointment. It was still just fine. But it's like the new one is an action movie that I couldn't recommend to you. But right. All Out is one that's like actually one of the best movies ever all right that's noteworthy when i went to see skyfall for example i came out of it and went wow (laughs) (laughs) wow good or wow bad i really liked it okay i think i mean i think fallout is better than skyfall but skyfall was very good at the time too strong take yeah yeah i haven't seen it since it first came out but Yeah. yeah In terms of trivia, this is the first episode to feature the Hypnotoad, which is yes, a delight. That. Matt Groening identified the Hypnotoad as his favorite character. Wow. Well, he's probably just under the influence of the Hypnotoad. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, all glory to the Hypnotoad. I do like the Hypnotoad Remember, a lot. It's very good. Last week, I think we were discussing how we both had the same shared nightmare as a child yes. of things like going in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And I had said that like my nightmare always had this component of like a very low, like static rumbling oh, noise that was very oh, uns- unsettling. <laughs> and as I was watching Hypnotoad, I was like, that's the sound. Like it's oh my uh, God. <laughs> very similar to my this like unsettling sound in my nightmares. Horrifying. You were under the spell of the Hypnotoad. The episode, The Day the Earth Stood Stupid, title comes from The Day the Earth Stood Still, a mm-hmm. 1951 American science fiction film, which I assume neither of us has seen. Not seen it. No. Tells about a humanoid alien visitor who comes to Earth accompanied by a powerful robot to deliver an important message that will affect the entire human race. And I think I read a little bit of it. It's one of those situations where he's like, I come in peace. And then like a nervous soldier shoots the alien and then they <laughs> attack Earth. So. Oh, wow. Bummer. <laughs> What's the what's the line from The Simpsons of uh, he comes in peace? Don't let him get away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's bringing love. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, we open up very cryptic situation where there's a planet blowing up, and mm. then all these brains come out of it, and it's like one day's brain flight from Earth. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were doing Superman. I thought they were doing the planet Krypton blowing up, and it was going to be like a you know a baby in a little case was like flying out of it but no turns mm-hmm. out the brains are are the antagonists yes indeed and then we have a bit of uh i think this is a bit bike racey would you agree I, that's exactly what i was gonna say we got a bike race 
Uh-huh. And the reason that I say that, apart from the fact that it clearly is, but also <laughs> it's not even mentioned in the plot synopsis. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, a pet show where we just got a lot of jokes about pets and we're going to do them for three minutes and then we're going to move on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. If you read the synopsis of the episode in both the regular Wikipedia entry and the Futurama wiki, it just like immediately goes straight to like, the professor says that a planet got blown up. It's just like, we just cut this completely. (laughs) But yeah, so let's attend the bike race slash pet show for a moment where Nibbler is going to be entering. Lila has been training him in a very strict way, but it turns out she's just constantly giving him ham for being adorable. (laughs) Yeah, made me think I don't quite know what the glazing process is on ham. But (laughs) the way that the ham was drawn in this, you know, it's just like a a Mm -hmm. totally stereotypical ham. Do those exist in real life? And what is the deal with the bumps on the ham? If that exists in real life? The bumps on the ham, like on the other side? Yeah, like the coating of the ham, like it has like a Mm -hmm. very thick skin. And it's always... It, it's always like textured in the same way of like being a good point. Like, like, it's like a net. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't I don't know what maybe it is a net. Maybe it's like stored in a certain way yeah. that like imprints. Well, it's like in the brine or something. I don't know. Yeah. If anyone knows anything about if you're ham. A, if you're a butcher or a, who else works with ham? Mm, butcher. It's probably about it. Someone who works yeah. at a deli. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so they also find out that you can win $500 through this. And so, and also like a thing of dog food or something. And so <laughs> Bender's like $500 and Zoidberg's like dog food. So they yeah. enter together. They call Zoidberg. He's Bender's hard-shelled whooping terrier. Bender <laughs> is so mean to him. Bender I, I is very so mean. Bad. Very mean, very strict. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Zoidberg gets second. So I guess it, I guess it pays off. Yes. He wins an Afghan made from an Afghan. And <laughs> yeah, he's like doing a dance at one point and Bender screaming at him like, I should be weeping. <laughs> yeah. Flamenco with the subtitle said. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then Nibbler is supposed to be helping to herd sheep for his talent mm-hmm. or something, or as just part of his competition. Fry, very gentle joke where Fry is counting the sheep and starts falling asleep. Yeah. And Have you ever done this? Sheep herding? <laughs> no, sheep counting to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I have. I have tried to just like count and that kind of helps, I guess. I've tried to. I think I was very influenced by the, what mattress company was it? Serta? Is that the, Serta, the mattress yeah. company that, mm-hmm. that that had the cartoon sheep? I was very influenced by those commercials. And I was like, as a child, like, okay, maybe I should count sheep. Well, it's funny you should mention that. So when I bought my first like grown up mattress, I went and bought a Serta mattress. And oh. it was in 2018 that I bought this specific one. And it was like, a leftover from the Canadian 150th anniversary. So it has all these maple leaves on it. So it was like heavily <laughs> discounted. And <laughs> it's, it's a great mattress, but it came with this ridiculously large stuffed sheep. And they were like, <laughs> the guy delivered this mattress to my house. And he's like, here's the sheep. And I was like, can I not have the sheep? They're like, no, it comes <laughs> with the mattress. So then I was just in my tiny apartment with this like enormous sheep. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? And so then I had it for a long time. And then I had a friend who just like, hosed it around my apartment whenever she felt like and would take pictures yeah. of it and then when I was moving I was like I think you should take the sheep it needs a new home oh. and she kept it for a long time but I think she finally got rid of it but I had this sheep That's for like... like two years <laughs> are you a scrubs fan that reminds me of the dog the stuffed dog in scrubs that's in their apartment that they like place in odd places yeah I'm not a scrubs guy yeah that is very funny and that's like a collector's item your uh, Canada branded mattress 
Yes. I wonder if the sheep had any reference to that. I don't think so. Yeah. We went, we went mattress shopping in New York. We ended up just like buying off of Amazon or whatever, but we wanted to see what the mattresses at like physical locations were like. And Laura likes hard mattresses. And so like all of the like premier ones that are on like the real showroom floor, or, like the super soft, like super whatever mattresses. And we're like, no, we just like want like the hardest. What's the worst mattress you hand. have? Yeah. And they <laughs> like... This was in this was at a location in downtown Brooklyn. And we had, like took us into the basement. It like was very dingy. Felt like we were gonna have to get murdered down there. And all they had was like it was like a twin size mattress. And they're like, we could get this for you in a queen or whatever you need for, but it was like this tiny mattress in this like <laughs> water stained basement of the uh they're of like the no one wants that, so we don't bother to display it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, so when I bought that same mattress on that same outing, I was like I went to this very small local business. And I was like, I'll go here before I go to like the brick or like home, whatever. And I went in there and it was like, they've just been clearly just been like dying for business. And so I was yeah. immediately swarmed by all these men who were like, <laughs> okay, are you looking for a mattress? Tell us all your mattress yeah. needs. And then I went over and like, sat on one. They were like, well, you have to lie down on it. So I'm just like, lying there. And they were like, yeah, you want to like, they're all like try. peering over you it, literally. And so I, they were like, you want to lie down on it. So you know what it's going to be like. And I was like, well, I don't usually lie down with like a, like a horde of men standing over me. <laughs> yeah. like, just, uh, anyway, it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people talk about how mattresses are like clearly or mattress stores are clearly like fronts for something else because it's like how could they possibly <laughs> su su sustain themselves there's like mm. never anyone there so I believe that to some extent but then also whenever you walk in they're incredibly thirsty to sell you a mattress and so it's like Very. okay maybe uh uh maybe this is real yeah yeah but anyway all this to say Nibbler eats all the sheep and <laughs> he's really bad at the doing this like he won't do any tricks that Leela wants him to do he at one point like lands in a bowl full of cream and all these cats attack everyone. And this is what we're also told, like Nibbler's real competition here is the Hypnotoad. And, and like all the yes. judges are just giving him perfect tens. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of a weird, like, I guess the the purpose of the scene is just like, oh, Nibbler needs to like cause a mess here. But like <laughs> the ways that they get to chaos and a mess being caused is very strange of like, yes. There's like a chandelier, there's like the cats and the bowl of milk. It's all a little mm -hmm. bit disjointed, which I think kind of like is my complaint of the episode. And again, the thing with the books at the end where it's like, this is fine, but it's just like doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Agreed. Um, I did like the little visual of the winner is Dave Spiegel and his owner Fluffers. <laughs> and it's like a weird little like gerbil or something with like yeah. a human face and then a cat. Yeah, person. it's a little disturbing. Yeah. Zoidberg comes in second, as we mentioned, just a fancy word for losing. And then Nibbler gets the award for dumbest pet in show, and they put a little yes. dunce cap on him. Very sad. The dunce cat cap is cute, though. Yes, very cute. And the Hypnotoad wins, and everyone's applauding like in perfect unison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Reminds me of when, when the students blink in unison. Yes, uh, at the same school. note. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that sound. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway, so we go back to the Planet Express and. The professor mentions that all of these planets, or I guess the one planet they were supposed to deliver to got blown up. And Hermes is like, oh, hey, look, it's like on a direct path. All these planets that got blown up are kind of between here and Earth or whatever. And seems like we're probably going to be next. And then Nibbler mm -hmm. runs away to a tiny spaceship. Yes, very cute spaceship. Leela's like cornered in the in the alley when she sees the spaceship. And <laughs> this was a good line. I have my years of wild hedonism finally caught up with me, which I don't really <laughs> even know if that's Leela. 
Yeah, I think that was supposed to be the idea. I can't remember what... I don't know. There was something there. She was like, oh my God, have they finally caught up with me? And Nibbler seems to, against his better judgment, come back for her because she's getting attacked by brains. There's like, I do want a flag on his spaceship. There's a cute little spot for his eye stock. Yes, the best part of that spaceship. Yeah. But anyway, she comes back and saves it. He comes back and saves Leela. And then they fly back to Nibbler's home planet. It turns out that he's transmitting his thoughts directly to Leela's brain. And I really like how they do this with all the exposition where she's like, oh, and you go on to say that we're heading to your home planet. Yeah, lots of lots of like nibbler language happening in this episode, but they eventually do just give it to us in English, which is appreciated. Yes, definitely. But meanwhile, back on Earth, everyone has gotten very stupid where Bender is freaking out. He's like, I can't feel my skin. Zoebi want balloon. Zoebi want go <laughs> yes. outside. Like I just let you back in. Uh, yeah, we but... learned. We learned Bender already has Fry's power of attorney. Yes, <laughs> very good. And then only Fry is normal. He's the only one who has not changed his behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else is going on here? Linda and Morbo, the newscasters, are like dancing on TV. Hermes is drinking yeah. the shower water. Uh, I love how helpful Linda is with teaching Morbo how to say the letter T. It goes ta. Ta. <laughs> that letter with a hat. Yes. Uh, yes. Leela meets all of Nibbler's people. Very funny line that I liked from Nibbler where he's like, yes, I'm back. I come bearing many receipts for reimbursement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In your big tech days, did you get to reimburse lots of stuff? Yeah, so I also got to when I worked in various academic settings, but it was always extremely mm. annoying. <laughs> yeah. Back in my my previous company, I probably talked about this on Simpsons, uh, you know, two or three years ago, they gave us an absurd, this is also like at the start of the pandemic. And so everyone was just like winging it, figuring out what we were supposed to be doing. But we had like an absurd benefit of uh, $250 per quarter work from home budget. But it was like, it seemed restrictive on what you could buy of like, oh, this should be for like home office stuff. But very quickly, everyone ran out of like, okay, I have enough monitors. Like I have a keyboard. I have like a mouse or whatever. And so people just started being like, I bought like a vacuum and I bought like plants (laughs) and uh, I bought a printer. I bought a printer. They wouldn't let us buy snacks, which is which was the craziest thing. One month I bought boxes and boxes and boxes of LaCroix. And they wouldn't accept the, the oh my God. reimbursement. And I was like, this is like literally what's in the office, but oh. it's okay for me to like buy a, like a, a rug or something. Incredible. <laughs> that was another example I was going to give, but I didn't want to be insufferable. We definitely say LaCroix, but yeah. that's fine. So, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, that is absurd. I feel like snacks should be number one on there, but yeah. I mean, printers I mean, it was. I, I, I'm not complaining about it. It was very nice to have $250 of like absurd budget every yeah. every couple of months. But yeah, very silly. We get Bender's people being Bender's. I always do this, or I confuse Bender and Nibbler when I'm like saying the words. Yeah. Anyway, Nibbler, he wants his people to come across as very fearsome, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like if in the time it would take to pronounce even one letter of my name, a thousand <laughs> cosmoses would sink into eternal darkness." And then she's just like, you guys are so cute. He's very sad about the idea that they might be cute. Yeah, I love during like all this exposition, like even the non-nibbler creatures, like the people in robes, like they're sitting on Leela's lap and she's like just kind Mm -hmm. of petting them. Like holding hands and stuff. being very cute. And they have a feast of a thousand hams. (laughs) But we find out that for the first millisecond of time, things were okay. But then the brain spawn came and they hate all thoughts because they screech out at them. So they travel the universe wiping out all thought. 
Yes. And Fry is, I love how they put it, Fry is a child of destiny who makes, who is immune to the brain spawn. Yes. The fate of all worlds rests in his special mind. And then they say every human and animal releases this kind of brainwave and also some trees. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Fry is even below some trees. Yes. Anyway, so it turns out Fry is going to have to disable the big brain and he's the only one who can do this. And Leela's going to forget as soon as she gets back to Earth. So they wrote it down for her and packed her a lunch and got her some mittens. Yes, this is like memento stuff of like, oh, I'm going to forget about this. So let me write it down. She should have tattooed it on her body because the writing it down does not go well. No, no. And immediately, Leela, when she gets back, she's like gesturing at the note and Fry blows his nose (laughs) on it. Yeah, throws it in the fire. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very funny. I did not not really see that coming of uh, Fry immediately (laughs) destroying the note. Just instantly. Yeah, it doesn't think about it at all. And then... Leela does manage to communicate that he needs to find the big brains. It helps that they're floating outside and she can just point. And he realizes that the biggest brain is probably the biggest nerd and will therefore be at the library. <laughs> yeah. They they find the big, big brain in the library and the brain is mocking the Dewey Decimal System, which... I thought you'd like that joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what about me gives off love making jokes about the Dewey Decimal System, but <laughs> that shit is so funny. Why do you fool your decimal system played right into my hands? Is is it named after someone named Dewey? I'm pretty sure, yeah. It's a possessive decimal system. That's the so. that's the wildest thing I've ever heard. Who is this guy? <laughs> why is he why did they title it after him? Like I think he just came up with it. It's his idea for organizing books in a very absurd way. Yeah. I love yeah. the Dewey decimal system. So I need good. the I need the like Hamilton slash like very serious historical history about Dewey. <laughs> it's our Dewey Decimal. I really enjoy when we can anticipate which jokes will tickle the other person. <laughs> yeah. That one I knew was going to be yours. <laughs> yeah. So Fry shows up and he's like, "I'm here to kick your ass." And he's like, "Oh, we've long since evolved beyond the need for asses." <laughs> and then the big brain is very confused about why Fry isn't being impacted. I love Fry's idea of being like, "A little knowledge is a dangerous thing," and he just like whips a book at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Fry realizing that thinking hurts him. And then he says, maybe I can think of a way to use that. Yes. Yes. And he's like, Hardy Boys, too easy. Nancy Drew, too hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what the middle Um, ground would be between those two. They seem very similar. Yeah. I can't remember what he ends up picking as perfect. It didn't mean anything to me. Were you a Nancy Drew video game person? A lot of... I thought you were going to say Nancy Drew book. (laughs) Well, so a lot of... I mean, I guess I don't know how much video gaming you ever actually did as a as a teenager but a lot of people a lot of girls our age were into the nancy drew games yeah it was all ocarina all the time for me i was just like constantly <laughs> on my n64 between the years 1998 and 2008 yeah, nice. <laughs> the niblonians and the short answer i guess is no i did not play that game yeah. <laughs> i did I play no the amazon trail it. of it that was the only uh, computer game i played yeah yeah um, i had trail it was no, how was that i think it was like identical <laughs> I played the Amazon Trail again last summer after there was talk of it being played on Renaf, and I still got mm-hmm. pretty into it for like a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazon Trail? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Wow. Yes. It's like largely a photo taking game. <laughs> okay. Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the comparison. You are floating down the Amazon River trying to get to the Inca King, and he wants you to bring him all this different stuff. And one of them is like a picture of a blue Morpho butterfly. Okay. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, yes. And so the Niblonians are watching this. They see that it's they're making progress and they're like, prepare Cuddlebug for deployment at 40 Niblets. And they're like, "Uh, sometimes I fear we are cute. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) 
You didn't like this part where they start going into the different books. I think I, I like it. I like all the book jokes, um, but it just doesn't really make much sense why they're doing this. Yes. Yeah. The brain is taking Fry and Leela into all these different books being like, I'll imprison you forever. And so the first one is Moby Dick and the brain is in the water. They think it's the whale. It's like, you'll be trapped in this dense symbolist home forever. <laughs> yeah. I liked, uh, what's the line about, uh, uh, for Tom Sawyer, you'll be trapped in this like, uh, Americana, like quaint. 40 Americana slice of Americana will be your tomb yeah. for all eternity. <laughs> I also like the brain being like, Tom Sawyer, you tricked me. This is less fun yeah. than previously indicated. <laughs> I feel like the Dewey Decimal jokes are very Simpsons slash Futurama jokes. And so is being obsessed with Tom Sawyer tricking people into mm-hmm. painting the fence. And then also, of course, all the OJ stuff. Those are like the, these are all like in the same category of like weird things that nobody else cares about, but come up all yes. the time on, on these shows. They then go into Pride and Prejudice where they're like, Mr. Brainley, like a bachelor at your <laughs> age or whatever. <laughs> Can you power rank Moby Dick, Tom Sawyer, Pride and Prejudice? Uh, yeah, I mean, my personal power ranking is Pride and Prejudice, Tom Sawyer, Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah. Have you read all of them? I believe I've read Pride and Prejudice and Tom Sawyer and then not Moby yes. Dick. Yeah, Moby Dick I've tried and I was like, God, this is a dense yeah. symbolist tome. Like, no thanks. <laughs> so Fry is dictating a story and he's like, oh, if I can like write a story and trick the brain into it. Like, it's not totally clear how he does this, but yeah. he's dictating a story in which the... A bookshelf falls and crushes him. Seems like he's dead, but then it turns out that this was just the book he was dictating. And Fry trapped them in his stupid story. And it says like, and for no reason, he he left Earth forever. The end. And then he writes on the cover. It's called Fry Ticks the Brain. It's a book full (laughs) of plot holes and spelling errors. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like uh, now I'm leaving Earth uh, for no reason is like a a very quotable line. I feel like I've heard that before. Yes, I am the greatest. Now I'm leaving Earth for no reason. <laughs> yes, and then the uh, Nibelonians show up and eat all the brains. <laughs> yes, and like kind of begrudgingly, they don't really want to do it. <laughs> I feel like they like eating everything. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. This is very Poochie of I'm yes. off to my home planet. Yeah, where's Poochie? Yes. <laughs> so they ask Lula how she's doing, and she's like, me feel a bit better in cognitive faculties and then it turns out that fry owes it all to his local library nice little shout out to the local library yeah looks directly at camera Mm -hmm. yes and nobody remembered what happened during the attack except fry and no one believed him or cared what he had to say and it's a nice visual of the professor just like waving him away like get out of here and watch a tv (laughs) do you think jeremy is our poochie he like came on during like a (laughs) lull in simpsons and then and then he went back to his home planet Everyone should be asking, where's Jeremy? Yeah, exactly. I think we probably made this reference before, but it seems especially apt now that we don't invite it's possible, him back on the show. But everyone was very excited when Poochie went back to his home planet and died on the yeah. way. And people, I think, are probably sad that Jeremy's gone. Yeah. How's the <laughs> how's the Hazel review, by the way? Is Hazel still listening? No, she only listens when Jeremy is here. <laughs> what? All right. Well, how dare she? Yeah, I know. She's not a big Futurama guy. Who is the winner of this episode? Probably nibbler <laughs> yeah nibbler's like it defeats the arch nemesis but he does have to expose his you know identity mm-hmm. but only to leela she doesn't remember so he gets to maintain his That's cover yeah. yeah that is true so yeah uh, they say everything is, i don't know if you said this everything's back to normal and nobody remembers it or believes fry which is funny that's back to square is. one as we always say <laughs> yeah <laughs> the loser of the episode probably the brains <laughs> brains like get pretty unequivocally defeated Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Good. Next week is called That's Lobstertainment with an exclamation mark. That's Lobstertainment. Interesting. Okay. Well, clearly Zoidberg episode, the standout star of the show. Mm-hmm. Could not even begin to guess what we're doing here. I mean, maybe Zoidberg like becomes a movie star somehow, is in the entertainment business, like in show business. That'll, that'll be my guess. But I can't imagine that that's where we're going. I remember not liking this episode and I don't remember anything about it. So yeah, I think this is probably one of my least watched episodes. Okay. And I think let me look up the the Hulu season premiere, but I think this might be our last one before we might do a pit stop at a a Hulu episode. Mm -hmm. Let's see. July 20th. So let's see if we do next week is this is Oidberg episode. Yeah. And then the following week we could do a we could do one of the new Hulu ones. Sure, yeah. I will be with my family at that point, but I can do one, and then maybe we take a little break till I'm back. Yeah. After that, but it should only be a couple of weeks off, and then we'll come back, we promise. <laughs> Incredible. All right, so anything else, Alex? How can people get in touch with us? At Pod of Tomorrow on Twitter, very rarely checked, although it's on my phone, so if you send me D- DMs, I get, like, push notifications, so I'll respond, nice. like, instantly. And then uh, pot of tomorrow at gmail.com. Lindsay, watch Mission Impossible Fallout. It's like, <laughs> it's it has the stamp of approval and I'm like three for three. Uh, I, I don't know if you should do Hamilton. I mean, you should probably do Hamilton first, but there's a whole thing about that. The priority. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how's the book? How's tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow? Good. I'm probably like 25% of the way through. Okay. So slow progression. Only reading at bedtime. Yeah. I think, I mean, there are a lot of very different parts of the book, but you're probably approaching like, you know, big kind of change in setting and like scenarios and stuff. So uh, good. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, join us next week for season three, episode eight. That's Lobstertainment. Bye.